Welcome to season two of Well Connected with Dr. Joe Kavidar, a podcast series from Partners Connected Health. I'm your host, Joe Kavidar. Join me as we embark on another exciting season of interesting and thought-provoking conversations with the leaders, disruptors, and innovators who are redefining the future of technology-enabled health and wellness. The patient experience. Many of us in healthcare, and specifically in connected health, are laser-focused on creating a positive, frictionless experience for patients interacting with a healthcare system, including health plans, healthcare providers, and other facilities and services. Paramount to creating a positive patient experience is offering convenient, easy access to an individual's health information, timely interactions, and good communications with healthcare providers. In order to create patient-centered care, we must design our interactions to be responsive to individual patient preferences, needs, and values. Kristen Valdez has unique experience understanding the patient experience from both industry and personal perspectives, so I'm really excited to talk with her today about how she's helping to redefine the patient experience. Kristen is founder and CEO of Be Well Connected Health, a health management platform that puts the consumer at the center of their health care. And in the spirit of transparency, I want to mention that I'm on the member of the board of Be Well Connected Health. Before launching Be Well in 2015, Kristen was the vice president of government claims at XL Health at United Healthcare, the largest health insurer in the company. There, she was responsible for oversight and performance of operations and technology, including analytics and medical economics for the Care Improvement Plus health plans operating in 12 states. Kristen was also instrumental in XL Health's acquisition by United Health in late 2010 for $2.4 billion. She began her career in the financial services industry at T. Rowe Price, from there moved into the Medicare and Medicaid space, focusing on program reform and cost containment efforts. As a member of the teams that stood up the first fraud, waste, and abuse detection programs across Medicare and Medicaid, she worked closely with all major claims payers, the FBI and the OIG, to develop programs and tools to safeguard government funds. She later joined a Baltimore-based disease management company where she was responsible for developing advanced predictive models to isolate gaps in care and intervention opportunities for seniors with chronic conditions. Her role quickly transformed into building the back office operations and technology as vice president of operations and technology for Excel Health as they transitioned to become the fastest growing and most profitable Medicare Advantage special needs plan in the country. Very impressive background indeed. Kristen, welcome to Well Connected. Thank you for having me, Joe. Well, as I hinted at, yours has been a very personal journey based on your interactions with the healthcare system, both as an industry executive and importantly, I think, as a healthcare consumer. You bring valuable insights as 20 year plus experiences in the healthcare industry, but 
as an advocate for your daughter and as well as a member of the sandwich generation caring for an aging parent. And you have a very personal perspective on the healthcare system and the patient experience. Can you tell us how, how did all those things help you shape your vision for Be Well? Yeah, I would be happy to. I've spent my career building programs to improve health outcomes, but also to find efficiencies in the system, whether it was as a payer um, or specifically, you know, trying to close gaps in care as we've shifted towards value-based care. And what I've learned is that the underlying premise of how we accomplish those things as a stakeholder is the need to see the whole patient or consumer and we don't have that today. But as I, as a mom and as a daughter, I continue to experience frustrations with the system, such as finding my dad in the emergency room because he didn't have access to his medications, which could have been completely avoided, but I didn't know. Or having to plot each of my daughter's labs from all seven of her doctors and noticing that the same labs were being drawn over and over again on a small child that there had to be an easier way to accomplish all of it, but it had to start with a more complete picture of a person so that we could reduce that unnecessary care and get the right information into the hands of physicians, as well as involve the family and caregivers who can do something more readily about mom or dad or the person that they're caring for. Wow, that's a, that's a, a lot. And, and so uh, what was the next step? So the next step was, I set out to determine how much information was really accessible and could we use technology and digital to pull all of that together to create a more informed view? And could we surface it to a consumer and the people who care for those folks in a way that was understandable and that was simple and frictionless that didn't raise so many questions? And what I learned was that there was an entire movement in the industry that was working towards being able to liberate data specifically for consumers. And I got as heavily involved in that as I possibly could. And I started showing through our platform what was possible and the use cases and scenarios, not just that would make the consumer experience better, but that could actually drive an outcome and could drive an outcome for the healthcare stakeholders that we all try to serve in our country. Uh, obviously, I, I know a, a, a level of detail on this story from from uh, having the privilege of sitting on your board. But for the for the listeners, tell us some of the challenges. Uh, I mean, the vision when when you and I sat uh, a couple of years ago in a in a, and had breakfast, I was immediately <laughs> taken by the vision. I was uh, I said you know yes right away to uh, the privilege of working with you. But there have been some challenges, and I wondered if you could just uh, illustrate a few of those, because again, the vision is crisp and clear. Uh, how are we doing getting there? Yeah, you know, our, our mission is one where, for the folks that we sell to, we're trying to show them that a consumer cl- platform can actually meet the needs of all of the stakeholders, including payers and employers and providers and delivery systems and more. But we need to show that they can coexist on the same base platform together. We can't continue to expect that our consumers will download yet another point solution application 
But once we have them engaged in something that gives them access to 100% of their medical records, allowing them to share it with whomever they choose and provides personalized recommendations and actions, that we can work with each stakeholder to surface what they see as an objective to improve health outcomes for that individual. And we can surface it from the back end where both employers and payers and providers can work together to accomplish the same goal. But without having to target consumers for things that are irrelevant to that consumer or that are in objection to their preferences or things that they believe. Because we those are knowable pieces of information, not in a medical record, but with an interaction that is engaging with an end consumer. So we've been very excited that the industry seems to be opening up to this concept because of what we're calling point solution fatigue. <laughs> that's growing in our market and understanding that if they can have access to the right level of data, that they can accomplish their goals and at the same time drive a much better consumer experience. You know, it's uh, it's interesting listening to you. I'm thinking uh, I'm going to try to connect some dots here. So so bear with me. But I'm thinking uh, I recently uh, went through the uh, motions of renewing my medical license. And in the state of Massachusetts, one has to I have uh, 10 hours of uh, risk management CME credit. So I spent a lot of time on the website of our, uh, of our insurance uh, provider, Crico, and, uh, and listening to podcasts. And, and I was a little bit dismayed by uh, that, although I, I, I wanna say for anyone listening, they're, they're, they're helping us do the right thing and risk management is really important but it does paint a picture, and this is where I'm getting back to your vision and your challenges, it does paint a picture of a somewhat helpless patient that we need to constantly be on top of. In other words, uh, we, we need to constantly be reminding them that they need to come to their appointments and they need to do all these things and that there's sort of a passive participant in their healthcare. Whereas when I think about what you're doing at BeWell, it's, it's really more about making the consumer the active participant. So is there a question buried in there? I think there is, and, and it's really, <laughs> as you go, and, and I know you have a lot of meetings with healthcare providers as well as health plans, do you see differences in how they react to this? And is there more skepticism on the provider side? <laughs> you know, what's funny is that the skepticism, so yes, there is some, uh, but most of the skepticism is around our ability to actually get the data that we show them that we have <laughs> because it's so new and it is such an emerging market. But once they understand how much data is really available, they get excited and they get excited because the concept of the empowered consumer is here, right? Historically, consumers have been overwhelmed and confused because we've made healthcare language very complex where it really doesn't need to be. Um, when you think about the financial health literacy rate of people in our country, even people with master's degrees do not understand the basic terminology associated with their own health insurance. We, they don't understand terms like out-of-pocket max, deductibles. They don't understand the benefits that they're buying when they're covered uh, from an insurance standpoint. And it doesn't need to be that way. And I used to say all the time, if we just gave people information that was timely, 
I believe that people are smart enough to close their own gaps in care. I know I am. I feel like if I had information that was delivered to me that said, hey, in the next 30 days, would really like you to schedule your mammography or your colonoscopy, or it's time to refill your meds, I would find that to be very helpful and as a reminder, but also because I don't get that information anywhere else. We don't come out of the womb with a book that tells us at this point in time in your life, this is what you need to do for your health. Because obviously it becomes more complicated as we grow up and as we have different problems, whether they're genetically or behavioral induced. But we don't have anyone who's telling us what we need to do and when we need to do it. We wait until we're at the doctor and then someone says, hey, you're overdue for this. Let's get you scheduled. So I think we have a much better way of closing gaps in care and doing it more timely and more efficiently if we just simply engaged the consumer to know what we wanted them to do and gave them the tools to do it very easily. So I'm going to pick up on that. This is this is terrific, because as long as I've known you, I've always thought about this this uh, I don't know if it's a dichotomy, but. But on the one hand, giving people access to data versus making it engaging. So uh, talk to me more about that, because I think that is a is a huge difference and one that you're doing quite well on. Yeah. You know, making things engaging is in healthcare, especially as this is new for consumers. Right. Consumers don't really have something historically that's given them access to the records. And when they do, it's presented at as data that is a point in time that means nothing to them because there's no descriptive information around it, right? So when we think about engaging, um, we think about it in terms of bits and bytes and breaking it down into smaller pieces of information. So when you show a consumer that they can log into a portal at a, a lab partner and they can see all of their data, what they mean is that they can click on a particular day and get their lab results. We think about it as, hey, a new lab just hit your medical record, come in and let's learn what it means, where we can show them their longitudinal trend lines, even if multiple different lab providers or physicians had ordered that lab. And then we wrap that useful information around it that says, what is this lab? What part of the body is it measuring? Why are we testing this lab? What's normal? What's abnormal? And all of that information is simply surfaced to the consumer where they can start to become empowered to know and understand their own trends. So when we make a recommendation that says, you know, this particular lab is maybe trending in the wrong direction and we want to make sure it stays where we need it to stay, we'd like you to make an appointment with your physician and have this talk about this uh, particular value. It's a lot more engaging for them than just saying, here's an app that shows you what your value of your medical record is that they can't put any context behind. Uh, so true, so true. And, and again, I'm, uh, I'm excited to watch that develop further because I think that is the essence of uh, the next generation of healthcare delivery is the, the juxtaposition of data, but also making it understandable and engaging and uh, very, very excited to be at your side as you, as you execute that. Uh, I wanted to mention, because this is really uh, sort of uh, hot off the press, uh, and ask you to talk about the experience. You recently uh, were among the top innovators at the Accenture Health Tech Innovation Challenge. So tell us what that was like and uh, whether you, uh, what, what, what you learned from it. Uh, tell us how it went. 
Oh, yeah. It was, um, first of all, I'd like to compliment Accenture for the program that they put together. I found it to be incredibly valuable. Uh, we didn't expect to win, um, but we knew that the exposure would be interesting and that we would learn a lot. And the way that they run their process um, was very intense for anyone who's in the competition. Um, but I understand why they do it. And so our experience was one where we were selected to participate in the regional finals of the U.S. And so we flew up to Boston and we spent all day pitching, you know, 15 minutes talking about our company, our value proposition, who buys us, what problem we were solving. And we did that to rooms full of 10 to 12 judges and we did it eight to 10 times. <laughs> so we had exposure to, you know, up to a hundred different healthcare decision makers and stakeholders who all had to decide what solution not only would they use, but do we really think it drives value, you know, in as we move forward into healthcare within the market um, that they serve. So it was everyone from hospital executives to insurance executive, pharma companies, solution providers, consultants that work with the big retail organizations, as well as big retail organizations. And we got almost instant feedback from a question perspective responses. But what we recognized was that once people understood the power of what we were able to do, they wanted to learn more. And so we had a really great experience because even before the healthcare um, finals at JP Morgan, we had already had six or seven meetings with the people in the room who wanted to learn more and wanted to see how their thinking in terms of consumer engagement could potentially leverage our platform solution. So we had a, a phenomenal experience and we were certainly honored to be named uh, among the top given the level of competition and the phenomenal companies that we met that were also going through the challenge with us. Yeah, uh, congratulations uh, to you again for that. And I know uh, it, it's a lot of effort, but your uh, description is spot on that uh, think of all the people that now know more about you than they did uh, going in. So well yeah. done. Thank you. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk to you. Um, you know, as much as I'm passionate about you as a healthcare innovator, I also think our listeners could benefit from your experiences and perspectives as a business person. So, and of course, you you won't disclose anything that is proprietary, and I don't mean to ask that, but tell us a little bit about how you're growing the business, uh, what your strategy is in terms of raising capital, um, what are the challenges with knowing when to add employees, uh, just tell us a little bit about being a startup entrepreneur. Yeah, so the hard stuff. <laughs> you know, um, our strategy early on, and we'll talk about fundraising because I think we've done things a little bit differently um, than what's painted out in the press around how startups raise capital. Um, we first went out and looked for angel investors, family and friends and others like most do, but that were passionate about the mission and the vision. We wanted people that understood healthcare um, initially and the problems that weren't going to force us to a timeline because we knew what we were trying to accomplish was going to take time. And we wanted them to buy into the team that we were the ones to deliver on it. And then we regularly communicated with them. You know, most 
folks would say startups go from a family and friends maybe to a seed stage round and then they move into their series A, series B, and series C. And the reality is is that I don't know any startup that followed that path perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, we it's more like family and friends, bridge, bridge, seed, bridge, bridge, A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the reality is is that you know, you can't foresee everything happen. Bewell had a, an experience as an example that we had to overcome that was, it was very catastrophic to us in our early years. We had a customer on a five-year contract who unfortunately went out of business, uh, not to any fault of their own, but that meant that we lost an estimated four years of contracted revenue. And that obviously does something to your fundraising needs. So our, you know, these things happen. And if you have the right people behind you, they understand that and they can support you through that, um, as well as having great partners that can introduce you to capital partners um, when you need them. So, you know, our our goal at this point, uh, we're trying to hit a very important milestone that we set for ourselves early on where we want to have multiple stakeholders from across the industry contracted before raising an official Series A or an equity valuation round, because we think it's important in this new healthcare market to show that stakeholders can work together and that we can create an ecosystem designed to engage consumers. And so we are, you know, we we sell to employers who are self-insured um, to help with the risk management side. We sell to payers, obviously, for both risk management as well as the transition to value-based care. But we also sell to hospital systems and integrated delivery systems that can help us um, really reach the patient and improve um, their participation in, you know, whether it's their discharge planning or their care planning when they're outside the four walls of the doctor's office or hospital. Um, and then, of course, to retail who we think is going to very quickly emerge as the front line of health as trends move more towards, you know, health being local and, and convenience being a factor in what consumers want. And so we wanted to have at least three of the four stakeholders fully contracted. And we're very excited that we are at that milestone. Uh, so we will be looking to raise a Series A sometime this year. Um, but we wanted we want to make sure that, um, again, our fundraising involves both strategic capital, um, you know, as well as, you know, your traditional lead investors. And we wanted to do that because we want to have the input and drive from providers as well as payers, as well as employers as we move forward. Um, and so that's really been our strategy around, you know, fundraising. Um, staffing is probably my one of my favorite subjects, but also the most painful for us, because as we are continuing to bring on new customers and do more implementations, there's only so much you can do with the same number of people. And in a startup, of course, every position wears five to 10 roles. Well, it becomes obvious when one of those roles needs to be its own human being <laughs> that's fully dedicated. <laughs> but unfortunately... You know, your revenue and recurring revenue needs to dictate the increase um, in the burn by bringing those folks on. And then you also are faced with the challenge that you want the best that there is out there because building a high performing, high caliber team is what sets really good companies apart. And so from our perspective, you know, you do sometimes have to sacrifice a little bit (laughs) before you can get that top talent. But with our team and our leadership, they always know who their next four hires are. Um, They're always recruiting people from great companies who are very innovative and, and aligned with our thinking. And then we just have to wait for the right financial metrics to bring those folks on. There you go. That, that, uh, that's, that's pretty much sums it up. Um, 
So, so I, as you know, I've, I've always been interested in, in what's next. And uh, one of the things that we, we don't get a chance to talk as to, to, uh, about as much as I'd like, because we're always talking about growing your business, is how, how you see, and, and you have a unique, I would say, perspective, because you're, you've, you've just said you touch so many different segments of the market every day. Um, and, and specifically in the role of digital technology and the future of healthcare delivery, what are you seeing coming and what are you excited about? What do you think some of the challenges are? Well, I say to people all the time, I think most of the challenges are business-related challenges. Um, technology certainly has caught up to the point where we can accomplish the vision you know, that we are looking to accomplish. I think we're going to continue to see trends with liberation of data direct to consumer, where consumers can dictate where their information goes. Um, But we're also looking at, you know, participatory medicine and care. So as consumers' knowledge increases because of solutions like BeWell and others, that they're going to want to become more participants in their care. We've been talking a lot in the Karen Alliance, which we're a member of, about, you know, a real-time pharmacy benefit manager, where at the point of care, a consumer can when being prescribed a drug, can instantly look up on their phone, are there any alternative drugs? What is the formulary? What is the cost to me? Can I have this as a conversation with my physician? Um, And I think that when those things continue to happen, that the relationship between a consumer and their physicians will start to change. And it will be one where they both feel more confident and less scared (laughs) you know, walking out of an appointment and they're going to feel like they know the next steps and they feel empowered to actually take them versus, you know, studies that we've run, um, you know, from a payer perspective, uh, historically in my career where, you know, 50% of what a physician tells a patient at the time that they leave an appointment is immediately forgotten. Right. And with, you know, within five to six weeks, that number jumps to 80%. Mm -hmm. So we can't really have consumers that feel confident going home to care for themselves, even in just an acute issue, if they don't have the tools they need to know what needs to happen and what needs to happen next. So I'm excited um, that I think not only will we have an empowered consumer with a deeper relationship with their physicians, but I also think that technology is going to and the use of all of this data is going to unlock new business models. And I think they're going to be ones that really benefit the user. Uh, and what I mean by that is imagine a world where our you know, employers who might sponsor our health care have benefits that are tailored uniquely to the needs of that population or even all the way down to an individual where they have specific benefits for their own health care needs Um, And I think that specifically we're going to get into uh, advancing personalized health care. And I don't just mean precision medicine when it comes to, um, you know, drugs and drug delivery when people have cancers and other things. But I mean, understanding that our retail services can support consumers. You know, in my own family, we have a lot of autoimmune, which means that we have a lot of food sensitivities that drive, you know, inflammation. Imagine where, you know, the home meal delivery services aren't just designed for diabetic or cardiovascular needs um, or, you know, paleo or ketogenic, but that they're designed for Kristen Valdez and her family taking into account all the foods that they can't deliver, but yet still having the convenience of having a pre-selected shopping meal come to your home. Sounds great to me. It's, uh, it's, uh, brings up, uh, really a, um, 
a set of uh, concepts that that uh, we we I talked about in in uh, my first book, The Internet of Healthy Things, which is this uh, massive amount of data we have on people now, but but being able to analyze it and then use it as a tool to create highly customized N of one type programs. And I think you're right, that is a big part of our future. And uh, I see evidence of it happening uh, uh, all around us. So I'm excited. Do you, um, I should have asked you this earlier, but I was thinking about the, the question that I posed to you about growing the business. We didn't really talk about competition. and. Uh, I think, frankly, every startup feels they're unique, but <laughs> but uh, what do you see as competition? And I'll give you I'll give you a, a lead because I, I I pretty much know the answer to this one, but but I want to unpack it from my from my listeners the the uh, ability to show your uh, record in your Apple uh, phone app is is that competition to what you're doing? You know, we don't look at that as being um, competition. We look at that as actually being a strategic partner. Um, we applaud what Apple is doing. Um, obviously, the brand Apple um, and the money and the and the velocity that they can put behind any of their initiatives is tremendous compared to Be Well Connected Health that virtually no one knows, right? <laughs> and so, um, you know, when Apple came out and said that they're adopting the Smart on Fire standard and they're signing up hospitals left, right, and center, but then they're making that data available available to third-party applications, that helped create a momentum that got hospitals and providers on board very quickly. Well, so I think they're advancing what is needed in the healthcare delivery system, and they're putting the power of their name behind it, which I think is very important. Um, Apple has done a great job also at unlocking additional data through wearables and sensor technologies. You know, whether it's continuous glucose monitors um, that are embedded within their um, watches, you know, or even EKGs and other things, um, fall detection likely next, you know. But I think that all of the power of that data helps break down the barriers of fear for both consumers as well as for providers. And so we applaud them. Um, we believe that data without action is just data. Right. You know, and so we, the reason we don't look at them competitively is, for our consumer, it can't just be, here's the data, here's the things that we want you to do about it. But we also need to link that into who pays, right? Because consumers are increasingly frustrated with the cost of healthcare. Many of them can't afford it at all. So our ability to leverage great technologies and partners like we have to help them and help consumers understand whether their benefit pays, whether their provider pays, whether or not um, they can get a lower cost by switching from one pharmacy to the next allows us to create the entire um, experience for a consumer where we can tell them not only what their data shows and what they need and provide the right education and then make it easier for them to take the action to make the appointment, but then help them understand who pays. And I think without having all of those aspects for a consumer, it's going to be really hard for a consumer to feel like they have that one first screen mobile application for healthcare versus another point solution. So there's a number of great competitors out there that do bits and pieces of what we do, but we haven't seen people bring the entire experience together all the way down to the financials. And I think that's going to be essential um, for consumers to participate. Yeah, so all of that is uh, very, very well stated. I, I, I would just punctuate the idea that giving an average individual access to the kinds of things that I write in their medical record is, is almost useless without some sort of 
uh, interpretation or mm-hmm. or else for us and I've and I've advocated for this not too many people are interested in hearing me but I've advocated for us as as uh, clinicians to get give up our medical ease and just write in plain English yeah um, but uh, wouldn't that be nice you know but anyway <laughs> Well, I have to say it's an enormous privilege to work with you and uh, to be alongside as you execute this incredibly important vision. And uh, I really appreciate you spending the time with me today. The last thing I ask everyone is, is there anything that you think I should have asked you that I didn't or any other thing that you want to reemphasize that we talked about as we close? Yeah, I mean, well, first, the privilege is all ours. Obviously, we we really enjoy having you both on our board of directors and to working with you. Your insights are certainly forward thinking um, and exactly what we need. Um, But I would say the thing that I would reemphasize, especially to those people that are trying to make a difference, is don't assume that you can do it on your own because a consumer already has 40 to 50 different health applications that are being offered to them. Yours is if adding a 51st is not going to be engaging to a consumer the way they need to, that you might be solving a very important problem, but really look for partnerships, aggregation platforms, distribution channels, where you can be part of something that's more comprehensive for consumers. Please, please, please don't just create another app. Um, Consumers are frustrated with it. Buyers are frustrated with it. And there's a way to deploy your solution Um, through something that's more comprehensive that will have much greater outcomes. And we're happy to talk to anyone with those solutions. So (laughs) that would be the thing that I would reemphasize because I think point solution fatigue is just a growing phenomenon that's not going to get any better anytime soon. (laughs) But uh, it's uh, it's a mentality we'd like to see changed. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Uh, Insights from uh, Kristen Valdez, founder and CEO of Be Well Connected Health. And uh, I, you hit it spot on. There's, there's app fatigue out there and anything we can do to make sense out of these things and, and bring them to uh, folks uh, in a way that's much more palatable will undoubtedly be the, the next phase of success. I know you're headed there and thanks very much for spending time with me today for the Well Connected podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Well Connected with Dr. Joe Kavita. A special thanks from me personally to Tony McMillan, our engineer, and Lynn Josephson, our senior marketing manager, for putting this series together. If you enjoyed our show and want to know more, visit our website at partners.org forward slash connected health, all one word. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Connected Health. For more episodes of our series, search Partners Connected Health on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.